Someone once said that God pours rain on the just and the unjust, but he pours more rain on the, on the just because the unjust has stolen the just umbrella. And that is life under the sun. It is life under the rainbow. And life under the rainbow is a life of common grace and God's care and provision. The rainbow and God's common grace means we can still trust we can still trust this world. You can trust this world, not naively. You can recognize that this world can go sour at any moment. Even your best neighbor, your favorite neighbor, can steal your umbrella. We have to lock our cars. But we got laws. We have laws with lane filtering, which is good for me. We got unbelieving neighbors whom we love and whom we cherish, and so many more, and so much more. But none of it lasts. Providence is God's grace. He upholds, he sustains, he nourishes, he governs this world, he governs the world, he upholds the world. But providence doesn't save. Christ alone saves. But common grace does preserve, preserve the world so that the church can preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. Common grace serves the gospel. Unfortunately, Christians get confused and go about redeeming common grace institutions as if soup kitchens save. Soup kitchens are good. Soup kitchens are important. Love your neighbor as yourself. But when we think we are building up treasure on earth or rot, where rust and moth cannot destroy, where thieves cannot break and steal, we need Kohelet. Kohelet, the preacher, the writer of Ecclesiastes, the speaker of Ecclesiastes, reminds us that this world is not gospel. Your love saves no one. So far, Kohelet has proven that vocation, reason, and pleasure are meaningless. They're meaningless in the grand scheme of things. They cannot give you what you ultimately need in life. They are penultimate goods. They're goods, gifts from God, and common grace provisions. But they do not last, which is why we got a rainbow. But perhaps there is something in wisdom that endures. Perhaps wisdom will give us something. And so Kohelet now turns his attention to wisdom. Perhaps wisdom is the salvation he has been longing for. So he begins in verse 12, I turn to consider wisdom. Perhaps wisdom will give me what I need. The words wisdom, to be wise, wisdom, are used six times in a very short chapter. This is a wisdom text. It's all about wisdom. Even the madness and folly that he considers, the madness and folly are just the opposite of wisdom. It's senseless and erratic behavior, the opposite of wisdom. It's a wisdom text. And in good wisdom... In good wisdom, traditional fashion, Kohelet proves that folly is worthless. For I considered wisdom, madness, and folly. For what can a man do who comes after the king? Only what has been done. Then I saw that there is more gain in wisdom than in folly. There is more gain in wisdom than in folly. According to the wisdom tradition, light is better than darkness. That's natural law, by the way. Everyone recognizes the just and the unjust, recognize the necessity of wisdom, that it's better. Wisdom's better than folly. Wisdom's better than, than, than goofy, than madness. He says, verse 14, he appeals to a proverb. 
He says, the wise person has his eyes in his head. So he cites a proverb to make the point that wisdom is advantageous. In the book of Proverbs, the wisdom literature of Scripture are full of the advantages, full of the advantages of wisdom. For example, Proverbs 3, 16 says, long life is in her, that is in wisdom. Long life is in wisdom. It's in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. So wisdom is portrayed as lady wisdom. And in one hand, lady wisdom has long life. In the other hand, lady wisdom has riches and honor. Proverbs 10, 27 says, the fear of the Lord prolongs life. That's wisdom. The fear of the Lord, wisdom prolongs life. But the years of the wicked will be short. The wicked live short lives. The wise live long lives. Wisdom leads to the good life. So finally, after Kohelet's depressing, depressing search, we have finally found meaning in this life. It's in wisdom. Now it's all unicorns and rainbows. Wisdom is our best life now. Now the church can gain wisdom, grab a hold of wisdom, and start redeeming this world. And Kohelet says, no. Verse 14, the wise person has his eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. And yet I perceived that the same event happens to all of them. Who here remembers Michael Nesmith? Maybe some of you gray hairs, Michael Nesmith, <laughs> the lead singer for the Monkees. Michael Nesmith, the lead singer of the Monkees, was not a traditional rock star. He was unlike all traditional, all other rock stars. Michael, Michael Nesmith, the lead singer of the Monkees, was all about clean living. He never smoked a cigarette. He never did drugs. He never touched and tasted an ounce of alcohol. He was all about healthy living, ran 10 miles a day, preached health, ate, you know, from the garden. I don't even know if he ate beef, but he was super healthy. And he died of natural causes at 78 years old. Who here knows Keith Richards? Keith Richards is the, is the, the guitar player of the Rolling Stones. And Keith Richards' name is synonymous with rock and roll excess. His memoirs detail a lifetime spent ingesting a grueling quantity of illegal drugs. And he only stopped doing cocaine at the age of 62 when he fell from a tree trying to harvest coconuts and cracked his head open. And he's still rocking at 78. He's still going. The moral of the story, rock and roll is life. No. <laughs> No, wisdom is just as meaningless. It's just as meaningless as vocation, reason, and pleasure, all as vanity as striving after wind. The fool outlived the wise. You can see there is meaning in wisdom. The Proverbs are full of life, but in the end, you can't really achieve what the wisdom literature is showing. It's because of sin. And so death levels all attempts to transform this world for its wages is sin, for it is the wages of sin. So wisdom, like everything else in this world, isn't going to save. So Kohelet says, verse 16, for of the wise as of the fool, there is no enduring remembrance, seeing that in the days to come all will have been long forgotten how the wise 
dies just like the fool. Now, what Kohelet's doing here is he's picking on the wisdom tradition. He's actually picking on Proverbs. You know, Proverbs are all about right thinking, producing right practices for right living, to have the good life. And Kohelet says, oh, yeah? What about death? You must pursue right thinking, but don't forget Michael Nesmith. Just because you know rightly, practice rightly, doesn't mean life will end up rightly. Kohelet is wisdom in light of death. So you need to read Proverbs and you need to follow the wisdom literature. You need to be wise, but you also need to read the wisdom literature in light of Kohelet. You need Kohelet. He knows death. He knows death upsets the wisdom tradition. The wise die just like fools. I was going to say unless you're the queen, but no. Unless you're Keith Richards. (laughs) But perhaps not all is lost. He did say in verse 12, "For for what can the man do who comes after the king? Only what has already been done. Now the Hebrew in this verse is very difficult. I couldn't even translate it and I wasn't alone. The commentators all struggle with this verse. And basically what they've come to the conclusion is that he's asking a question about succession. Whenever he speaks of what comes after, he means after this life. When he says after me, he means after I die. So he says, even though you cannot take anything with you when you die, your posterity gets it. And that's good. That's gain. There's some gain in this life. Maybe perhaps wisdom, but the wisdom of posterity of giving your goods away, the succession, the wisdom of succession. Succession is an advantage over death. There's always the next generation. But then again, he says, you don't really know who's going to get it. Your children could be fools. Maybe not, but I do know this. They're sinners. (laughs) So they will not treat your goods as well as they should. And it's certainly no advantage for the one who's worked so hard of it all just to die and give it away. For death ruins all attempts to transform this world. You see, all is vanity, vocation, reason, pleasure, and now wisdom. Everything under the sun is meaningless. What was Kohelet to do with all this vanity, with all this meaninglessness? What is left to do when death prevails over life? When darkness triumphs over light, what is there left to do in this world? And Kohelet answers, the answer is hate. Hate. Verse 17, so I hated life. He's not saying he hates this world. He hates that this world is so wrong. He hates that the world is so wrong. So I hated life because what is done under the sun was grievous to me, for all is vanity and a striving after wind. This fallen world is grievous. And so he hates this world. He hates the grievousness of sin. The fallen world is grievous, so the nightly news sounds like the Olivet Discourse. Tonight at nine, wars and rumors of more wars. Tonight at nine, nation rises against nation, kingdom against kingdom. Just in, there are famines and earthquakes in various places. The nightly news ruins all attempts to transform this world. And Christian news doesn't fare any better, for even today, Christians are being delivered up to tribulation and put to death. We are hated by all nations for Christ's name's sake. Not only the nightly news, but we see fighting in the church as Christians hate one another and false prophets lead us astray. 
Many are falling away from the faith. Christians ruin attempts at transformation. The world is upside down. There's no order and everything ends in death. We should hate this world. There is a time to hate. We'll learn that later. It's been put to a song. I don't think the monkey sung it, but there is a time to hate. The wise cannot pretend all is well. We do well to avoid optimistic views of this world, the world of sin, misery, and death. We do well to avoid optimistic views of ourselves. We hate evil. We hate evil. We have to understand. As we hate evil, we have to understand why our neighbors aren't so pleased with us. The evil is not out there. The world isn't in sin. The sin is in our hearts. The sin is not only out there, but it's in our own hearts. The world is in sin, not only because of others, but also because of us. And we should hate our sins. And our sins should cause us so much pain. We cause so much pain and then we die. How's that for transformation? But hatred doesn't get the last word in Ecclesiastes, nor does sin and death in the Olivet Discourse. The Olivet Discourse ends like this, Matthew 24, 14. Jesus said, after saying there's wars and rumors of wars, nations against nations, kingdoms against nations, Christians will be hated, Christians will be persecuted, Christians will hate one another, attack one another. And then he says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed. <laughs> and this gospel kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. In the midst of sin, misery, and death, Jesus says the gospel is building a kingdom not of this world. And this kingdom is eternal. This kingdom will not fail. This kingdom gives eternal life. It gives everlasting life, forgiveness of sins, salvation freely given by God, merely of grace, only for the sake of Christ's merits. And so there is something to be optimistic about this side of glory. We get our only comfort in body and soul, in life and in death. There is an advantage in this falling world. There is gain in this world. Death is gain. Death is the advantage Ecclesiastes longs for. Death is the advantage Ecclesiastes longs for. This might sound pessimistic for the post-millennialist preaching power and glory, but for Kohelet and the preacher of the Olivet Discourse, there's nothing greater. There's nothing more optimistic than death. Yes, there's nothing more optimistic. That's why God says, or the psalmist says, that God delights in the death of his saints. God delights in the death of his saints. There's nothing more optimistic than death. The gospel doesn't guarantee a cancer-free life. The gospel doesn't guarantee a cancer-free life or that, you're, or that the thief will pass by your house. The gospel doesn't bring about a golden age this side of glory, but it guarantees no more condemnation, no more separation from a holy God and life everlasting. You might lose your umbrella to your neighbor, but it's okay. You won't need it when you die. You'll have all you need in Christ. 
At Covenant Reformed Church in Missoula, Montana, we sincerely believe God's Word and faithfully teach it. We invite you to worship with us on Sundays. For more information, please visit MissoulaURC.com. That's MissoulaURC.com.